has there ever been a season in your life where it felt you struggled to find joy? Um, joy is one of those things, when we have it, we are very aware of it. And yet at the times it seems like it is a struggle to find joy, we are also very aware that we are missing it. And we want to experience joy. We want to understand what it feels like to, to have this feeling inside of this joy. And we assume that joy is found in what flows to us. That, that as things are flowing into our life, as we're receiving things, as we're getting blessings, as things flow to us, we experience joy. But there's a question of what, what happens when it seems the joy ceases? Or, or maybe the source or what we think the, jo- the source of that joy is ceases. What happens when it seems like the flow stops? Or, or what is flowing to us is not good. What happens when we experience loss and tragedy? What happens when what we were experiencing is good starts to invade our life and drown it out? And it becomes very clouded and difficult to see past what we're experiencing. Isaiah is writing to a group of people who are marginalized, but are there in this place because they have put themselves there in that place. Because of their desire to do their own thing and their desire to be great and to make a name for themselves and to be like all the other nations, they're, they're where they are because of what they've done. And Isaiah spends the, the majority of his book the first two-thirds probably, talking about the condemnation that they're experiencing and what it means to live life apart from God. And then comes this beautiful piece as he gets to the end where he starts to talk about hope. That even though you're in this place of despair, this place where it seems like joy is hard to find, even though you're in this place, there is still hope to come. And Isaiah writes in chapter 61, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, and He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, and He has anointed me. He has sent me here to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives. He has sent me to release from darkness the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for all those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display 
of his splendor. Have, have you ever felt that you were in a place where you were poor or brokenhearted or a captive or a prisoner? For Israel, this was their story. Wandering in the world, trying to find their place, feeling oppressed by Egypt and Assyria and Babylon, and feeling as they are the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the prisoner. And their hope was in a day of the Lord. And one of the things they looked forward to more than anything was called the year of Jubilee. That God had told them every seven years you were to have a sabbatical year where you give the land a rest. And then after a cycle of seven sabbatical years, that there's going to be a day where everything starts over. That slaves are set free. The land that was taken from you is returned to you and restored. In other words, the world is put back to the way that it should be. The way things are supposed to be is the way that they will be once again. And so Israel longed for this day because it seems the blessings had dried up and all that was poured upon them was despair, was mourning. And they found themselves broken and poor and prisoners. And so there's this illusion to this coming day when things will be restored, when things will be made right. But Isaiah is prophesying and he's talking to people about a better day, a bigger day than just a day when everything is made right right here. He is talking about a day when all of the things that you're experiencing, the brokenness that comes from sin, the poor spirit that we receive because we follow our own ways, the the captivity the prison that we live in and sin, when all of that is erased. And all of that begins new. He's talking about this coming day that they look for with anticipation. See, the year of Jubilee was not just a today thing. More importantly, it was a forever And the the heartache that we experience so many times is because of our perception. And we want to experience joy, but the problem is we so many times look to to the wrong place. Because we assume that joy is found in what flows to us. And so joy becomes about accumulation. The access point to joy is accumulation. If I get more stuff, if I have more money, if I have more success, if I have more blessings, if I have all these things that are coming to me, then I'm going to experience joy, and we do. I'm not going to lie to you. When when you get things that are new and things that are nice, there is a sense of joy that comes with it. But what you find time and time again is as you experience that joy, as you experience that excitement, as you experience that happiness, there's a time limit to it. I mean, mean, no one's dancing around celebrating the iPhone 6 anymore, correct? Woo! 
Some of you are. Sorry. (laughs) But there's a time limit to it. And when we find our joy in what flows to us and what we acquire and what we accumulate, there's a lifespan to it. And maybe more than any other time of the year is more evident than ever. I mean, we finish with a day of thanksgiving and thankful for all that we have. And then you turn on the news and you watch people walk into the store, well, run into the stores and kill each other to save a few dollars to get the newest, best, and greatest. And I wonder after the, the wrapping is thrown into the trash, the mills are eaten, the boxes are gone. Just how long that joy will last. Because my guess is that you still aren't in this state of joy and excitement over what you received last year. Because as soon as you opened it, and especially in today's world, as soon as you opened it, as soon as you began to use it, it was outdated and old, and there was something better that you had to have. And we start longing for it, and we start wanting more and more and more. And it's this insatiable desire to accumulate more stuff. And at some point we realize that it's a trap. It's a prison that we have placed ourselves in. Where we think we need this to make us happy. And then, at times, it seems like those blessings stop flowing and here's what's left despair and brokenness and a spirit that is longing to be set free and for centuries it's the story of Israel waiting for Messiah to come and make the world right. Longing to be set free from the oppression. And so God says, on this day, here is what I'm going to do. On this day, I'm going to bring good news to the poor. I'm going to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm going to proclaim freedom to the captives. I'm going to release from darkness the prisoners I'm going to comfort those who mourn in Zion. I'm going to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And when I do that, here's what they will do. When I do that, on that day, they will become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. 
when, when I set them free, when I do what I'm going to do on this day, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now, now think about what oak trees do. Oak trees grow. They grow big and they grow strong. And they mess up your foundation. But oak trees take in light and they take carbon monoxide, monoxide, right? Yes. And produce oxygen. And they have the wind that blows against them and strengthens them. Their roots run deep and give them strength. And they grow. That's what oak trees do. Oak trees grow. And here's what Isaiah says these oak trees are going to do. They will build, rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. And they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. These oak trees are going to grow up. These oaks of righteousness are going to grow up in the world after I have set them free. And they are going to rebuild, restore, and renew. I'm going to grow them up. I'm going to raise them up. And what they are going to do in this world is they are going to restore, rebuild, restore, and renew. I'm going to grow them up, and they are going to rebuild, restore, and renew. That is going to be their purpose in building this new world. Here is what I am going to do is, God, I'm going to set them free. I'm going to give them life. And then these oaks that I'm going to raise up so that people see my glory and my splendor, these oaks are going to rebuild restore and renew they are going to give hope to this world and we assume that joy is what flows to us but what we find is that joy is what flows from us it's what we accumulate it's what we get as it flows to us but it's not really found there That joy is found in what flows out of our life. What flows from us. God says, I am going to set you free. I am going to bind up the broken heart. I am going to release the prisoners. And they will, as I raise up these oaks of righteousness, they will rebuild, restore, and renew. That, That I have a part to play in this and that we have a part. God has this place that He wants to be, and He wants to be working and doing things in our world, in our life, and there's also a place that you are supposed to be working and doing things to change this world, to rebuild, restore, and renew. This is where you find joy in doing what you were meant to do. And at times I think we pray, God, we want you to give us buildings. God, raise up walls to protect us. 
build city streets and give us light. And I think God says, I don't, I don't do that. I don't build buildings. I don't raise walls. I grow oak trees. I raise up these trees and they rebuild, restore, and renew. But one thing I've noticed, because we have a couple of oak trees, is oak trees are never just planted as a fully grown tree. Oak trees begin as a little seed. We call it an acorn. And it's that acorn that falls to the ground, that sprouts and begins to grow. God does not plant oak trees. God plants seeds that he grows into oak trees. See, who you are today is not who you were when you began the journey. Who you are right now is different from when you began this journey with Christ. Because he is growing you up, he is strengthening you, he is raising you up to do good works. He's raising you up, he's growing you up to rebuild, restore, and renew. All for the display of his splendor. That that our joy is found in what flows from us. God begins with a seed. He begins with a seed that he grows into an oak. Israel has been waiting. In despair and hopelessness, waiting for the coming day. And an angel appears to a young mother. A young mother-to-be. Starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. God begins by planting a seed deep in Israel. He begins by planting a seed deep in Israel. A seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A seed from the line of David, 
A seed who's going to become king and his kingdom will never end. I'm going to raise up this oak by beginning with a seed. And Mary has this response. How can this be? How can this be? Since I'm still a virgin, since there's no seed in me. And God says, I am going to plant the seed in you. Through, through my work and through the Spirit at work in your life, you are going to receive the seed from the line of Abraham, the line of Isaac, the line of Jacob, the seed in the line of David. You're going to receive this seed that's going to grow into a mighty oak, and this mighty oak is going to save the people from their sins. This mighty oak is going to set the people free. This mighty oak is going to do amazing things in this world. How can this be? And I think God like just grabs a hold of Mary's head and says, listen, listen, listen. You are going to be the vessel through which my presence comes into this world. I'm going to plant my seed within you and you are are going to be the vessel that delivers my presence into this world. And Jesus is born in this little town of Bethlehem. A king who has come to bring hope to the brokenhearted. To bring hope to those who are captives. To bring hope to those who are poor and oppressed and marginalized. Those who think their hope is found in what flows to them and what they accumulate and what they acquire. And what Mary finds is that you find such great joy, not in what flows to you, but what flows from you. And the access point to joy is not accumulation, but it's appreciation. It's gratitude. As we receive these blessings, as we receive so much that we've been given, this begins to flow out of us and it becomes a part of who we are and our lives overflow with the joy of Jesus that is in our life that is for all to see. And we find such joy in doing what God has called us to do. And just like the people of Isaiah, he's going to raise up these oaks of righteousness. And they're going to have a part to play in this world. They are going to rebuild. They are going to restore. They are going to renew. They are going to give life. And the same thing that Spirit spoke to Mary, that you will be my vessel through which my Spirit comes into this world, is the same thing the Spirit speaks to you. 
that you will be the vessel through which God's Spirit comes into this world. The very thing that Mary was called to be. The one who gave birth to Christ and began this new world is the very same thing that you have been called to be. The vessel and through which Christ's presence comes into this world. And I think you see that so many times in people who are broken and hurting but have taken their brokenness and taken their hurt and made it a ministry. Who are doing something with what's been poured into them so that what is poured out of them is joy. You see people who have lost spouses, who have experienced this incredible misery that it's become a ministry. And you find joy as they sit down beside people who have lost other loved ones. You find joy when you have been bankrupt and you've lost everything and you sit down beside someone else who's been there and you can give hope and you can speak life into them. You find joy when you've been able to walk through the addiction of pornography and sit down next to someone who's in that place that you once were and say, I've been there and there's hope on the other side. That God is raising up these oaks of righteousness, not just simply so that we look at and say, here's how great God is, but He's raising up these oaks of righteousness so that they can rebuild, that they can restore, that they can renew this broken and hurting world. See, we stand right in the center of these ages. The age, this present age that we live in that is passing away and the age that is to come. The age where everything is broken and falling apart and this age where Christ will come and restore and renew all things. And we stand right in the center of it. In the center of human history is a cross where a broken Savior gave up His life to allow you to experience life in the age to come. And we stand right here in the center. The world as it should be being put in place by Christ and His people, these oaks of righteousness that He's growing up, and then this world that is falling apart. And we have the ability to stand on this side and say to the people, There's a better way to live. See, I think when we start finding joy in what we accumulate, we understand that that joy is so fleeting that it doesn't last. Because we understand what we are building will not last. What we're acquiring, what we're accumulating, in the end will not be there. And it's only when we step onto this side of history, onto this side of the cross, and we begin to do work in this world in a way that will make sense in this world to come when Christ returns and everything is fully and finally established as it should be. Everything is made right as it should be. 
when, when that day comes and it's finally realized that hope that we long for. See, we have joy when we pour ourselves into that. When you pour yourself into that new world. Here, here's what God will do. Here's what you're going to do. And then he tells, finishes by saying, here's what God has done. See, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. And arrayed me with a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest. As a bride adorns herself with jewels. For the soil makes the sprout come up. And the garden causes the seed to grow. The sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This past week, um, Cammie and I had several things for her work and family, and we spent about 1,500 miles in the car over about 28 hours. And I guess Thursday night we're driving... We're heading to Oklahoma, and a little tired, a little weary, and all of a sudden we see this shooting star fly across the horizon. And the crazy thing is, as bright and as beautiful as it was, I almost missed it. It was my wife who pointed it out. She says, oh, look, there's a shooting star. And I got to see it just as it was fading out over the horizon. And I started thinking, you know, it's really easy to miss seeing things that you're not looking for. It's really easy to see things that your mind is not fixed on, that you're not trying to see every day. See, the last series we did was How to Pray, and this series is, is probably so much more about why you need to. To fix, to focus your mind on what matters. Because if joy is found in what flows from us, it's found in appreciation, it's found in gratitude. We have so much to be thankful for. As Tim said earlier, it's God who raised us up out of the mud and the mire. And he set our feet on a rock and he put a new song in our heart, a hymn of praise to our God. And it's God that made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Like there is so much you have to be thankful for that Jesus reached into this broken, hurting world and lifted you up. And we focus so many times on what we don't have. We focus on the pain and the hurt and the fears, and we never allow those to flow out of us as ministry. We, we never allow these oaks that God is raising up, these oaks of righteousness, to become builders and renewers and restorers in this world. And I think the question is, that okay, then how do we shift our focus? 
How do we shift our focus from people who are so focused on accumulation to, to move to appreciation? How do we become people who don't just see the mess? It's real simple. You change the concentration. I need a big jug of water. See what happens as you begin to spend time in the Word, as you begin to spend time in prayer, as you begin to spend time on your knees before Him. as you begin to change your focus, as you begin to change your concentration, He begins to make it a lot easier to see the blessings that you have. You want to move from a place where joy is found in appreciation from a place where joy is found in accumulation. You have to change the concentration. You have to change the the focus. That's why prayer when we wake up in the morning is so important. It fixes our mind on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it allows that prayer to form us. We have so much to be grateful for. There's so much that God has done. The question is, can you see it? Because he is raising up in this place these oaks of righteousness. Not so that people would look at you and say, look how great you are. But so they would see these mighty oaks and see the splendor of our God. You want to find joy? Find something that flows from you. And you will find incredible joy in that life. Father, we pray today that you would help us to see the blessings of this life. Father, to see all that we have in Jesus. And Father, to change our concentration not from what we acquire and accumulate, but, Father, to appreciation and gratitude for what you've done so that joy may flow, may overflow from our life. Bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you've never given your life to Christ, we offer you that invitation. Today. Come to him, be baptized, um, find new life, putting on Christ. Um, but if we could pray for you in any way, um, we're going to have people around this auditorium. We would love to pray for you in any way we could. Come while we stand and we sing.